When it comes to commercial banking, relationships matter. At Associated Bank, we've got you. With a dedicated team of relationship managers helping you secure financing to best serve you today and tomorrow. Visit AssociatedBank.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Run with Doug McClure, Senior Vice President and Team Leader in Associated Bank's Commercial Banking Group. Doug, welcome back. Hey, Steve. Thanks for having me back on here. I want to focus our conversation in on uh, what we might see coming in 2024. Uh, There was a report, a survey actually, uh, middle market business leaders uh, say that they are confident but wary about the year ahead. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about this. Yeah, the uh, economic outlook for 2024 remains uh, a bit optimistic here, but it seems that it's driven more towards um, what the individual CEO and CFO's company's uh, performance has been and is looking to to be. Uh, When you compare how optimistic they are about their companies, it's pretty high. But when you step back and ask them about the national economy and and the global economy, it's a little weaker. Uh, why Why is that, do you think? Are they seeing something at the national level that they're not maybe seeing at the local level? I think that uh, clearly they, they know their companies a lot better than they, they don't, or, uh, get to see the, the broader economy. Um, but we've talked about this before. You know, headlines sell, and a lot of negative headlines tend to uh, uh, take a lot of sh- uh, a market space when it comes to things that you're reading online. So I mean, obviously there's key issues out there. Uh, many of our clients are having issue maintaining and growing their labor force. Uh, there's always uncertain economic conditions, especially in a political year. Um, obviously, they're trying to focus on uh, increasing sales and demand for 2024. And with elevated interest rates and inflation question marks, uh, those remain the key issues. Yeah, I want to let our listeners in on the, some of the numbers from this survey. Uh, 67% of those middle market business leaders were optimistic about their own company performance. Uh, the number was, I think, like 44% on the local uh, economy being uh, okay in the year ahead. But it was 30%, uh, 31% on the national, their feelings on the national level. So it's kind of a stark difference there. Yeah, going back to they know their companies very, very well. So I'm not surprised to see that they're very optimistic for what their individual uh, uh, contribution to the economy looks like. Uh, In that same category, those CFOs and CEOs, 70% are confident of increasing sales this year. That's pretty strong, a strong and remarkable output. Uh, But when it comes to the the national economy, again, the the national uh, headwinds that you see when it comes to inflation and interest rates, this remain a bigger question mark for what's to come this year. Yeah, and we're hearing all kinds of projections, too, for the year ahead. I think uh, one of them is that the S&P 500, uh, they've changed the uh, expectations for the S&P 500 this year to be higher. I know we hit the 5,000 level recently, um, but the uh, by the end of the year, we might might even be higher than that. Uh, so that's good. We're expecting some rate cuts from the Federal Reserve this year. That'll be good for uh, part of the economy as well. So there are some things that we should be thinking positively about. Oh, absolutely. And it's always the stock market versus the conversation with some of my clients. You know, a lot of my uh, family-owned companies that I work with, you know, they're thinking in generations, not really quarters. And to some extent, they, they're planning a lot longer out than simply just the next quarter in front of them. Um, but, you know, clearly, as it relates to uh, what the S&P stands for, it's company valuations. Uh, and we have seen some, some pressures on that in the private markets where M&A has been a little soft last year. Uh, and we're expecting that to improve this year. So hopefully we're starting to see private valuations 
compete at the same level that the public valuations um, uh, have been at recently. Doug, something you just said there that I want to go back to that I think is probably interesting and our listeners will probably find interesting as well. You said that uh, some of your clients, uh, they, they look at generations ahead, not just necessarily quarters. That seems like it might be particularly difficult to do. How is that done and what's the focus there? Well, well, the great news is there's not some sort of quarterly our clients are focused on. And so they're able to turn their ship with a lot lot less focus than the public markets offer. There's a lot of great things that the the public markets offer that our private uh, clients don't have access to. But one is if you see some weakness, it's not like your stock price is going to significantly decline uh, if you have one bad quarter. Uh, and you're in, or you're investing in some longer-term R&D initiatives to create new lines of business and, and part, uh, different products for your company. Uh, I wonder how that might uh, be, uh, how that example might be viewed by just ordinary investors who may not be thinking that way right now. I know I've always been told to look. Uh, at my, at least my own 401k, my own investments in in the scope of years, to see how those things have been performing uh, year over year. Generally, it's a pretty good performance. It's generally been going up and not down. Uh, how, how, what is your advice to just average investors about that? Yeah, I mean, clearly, I, I spend a lot more time in the private markets than I do the. You know, I, I just remind myself going back to 2008 and 2010 when it did feel like the economy was upside down. Uh, when I was, you know, putting some money into the market back then, when when uh, uh, public uh, price levels were much lower, the returns been pretty significant. So it's not so much as the market is going up. It's well, when did you get into it? Uh, when you look back over the course of you know ten, twenty, thirty, forty years, that long term trend is up into up into the right. But when you look at you know the volatility between quarter by quarter or year by year. If you put all your, if you had no money in the market right now and put all of it in, there's a chance it might go down uh, over the course of the next year, but the chance of it going up over the long term, 10, 20 years out, uh, seems pretty solid. So I, I'm always a supporter in buying in every quarter for what the market looks like, and you know, over the term of 30 years, three decades, you're going to do well. I think we both agree that if we could tell our 20 year old selves what to do uh, now, it would be to start investing early. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to move on to something else because as we again look forward to 2024, we're seeing that um, a lot of the middle market uh, folks are preparing for a rebound in merger and acquisition activity this year. Yeah, agreed. I I think that signs of uh, momentum uh, have been been before to see some optimism and and additional M&A activity um, uh, over the course of the next 12 months especially when you compare that to 2023, which is one of the lowest M&A markets we've seen in probably over a decade. Yeah, the survey I'm looking at says uh, 55% of middle market managers expect uh, M&A activity to increase um, this year. Is there any specific area that we should keep our eye on? Well, I think in general, uh, overall levels were deflated last year because the costs just went up to such a significant level. And it wasn't that they went up. It was we didn't know how many rate hikes we we were going to get. And where that would stop. So now that we finally started to see a ceiling there, that's been helpful to spur activity. I think additionally, like certain middle market sellers of their business were still looking at 2021 and 2022 for business valuations. They hadn't quite caught up to where M&A multiples have been. So we started to see some of their expectation come down for what they'd sell for. And when you combine that with a lot of our corporate clients, balance sheets that are really clean, fairly delevered, have a lot less debt on them, and also a ton of other private equity capital 
that needs to be deployed on the sidelines. Uh, again, we're going to see a lot of volume this year. The, one of the surveys said that uh, the um, 67% of the activity this year could be something called add-on acquisitions. Again, if you're an investor looking at this survey, what kinds of areas, uh, what kinds of industries would you be looking for that would want to add on to their existing structures? Well, I don't think there really is one that doesn't want to grow in some form or fashion. And obviously, there's a, there's a couple different ways that a, a client can grow their company. They can grow it organically. They can push sales through their uh, existing initiatives. They can add some business investment in the form of capital expenditures, buying new machinery and equipment. And they could they could build a, a new location and start from scratch as a greenfield somewhere, or you could fuel that with M&A. So uh, there are areas that will be hotter in that category for um, the, the quantity of deal volume. Uh, but I, I think rising tide lifts all shifts. I think you're going to see an increase uh, across and amongst all different industries here. And would that also happen here in the Chicago area as well? What are you hearing from your sources locally? <laughs> it's interesting you say that. Um, we actually had a um, uh, an economic forum with, with a lot of C-suite uh, and upwards of two-thirds of the, the attendees on that call expected to accomplish some sort of M&A transaction this year. We've already closed on a few with some clients. We've already got a few in the hopper. Um, so, it, yeah, it's, it's Chicago will definitely see its fair share of M&A activity. I want to close out our conversation today with a uh, focus on fraud. Uh, everyone that is surveyed in these surveys has said that um, on every level, fraud is expected to have a major role in the bottom line this coming year. Talk to us about that from your point of view. Yeah, absolutely. And this is both uh, on the personal and the commercial front. It just seems like the, the levels of fraud uh, doubles every year. And this trend is continuing into, into 2024. Not one of the CFOs or CEOs that we talked to hasn't experienced an issue or hasn't experienced it in the last couple months even. And there's really two types of fraud that we see most. And it's risk of you know cyber threat attacking IT infrastructure and holding our clients' information for ransom. And we're also seeing some bank fraud requests. And you know, an example of this might be a CEO who's on vacation or you know, a, 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 um, an email coming from the CEO to the CFO requesting a wire to be sent out at 3 p.m. on a Friday to a random uh, vendor. So we're starting to see email being highly utilized for both uh, cyber threat attacking as well as bank fraud. And the idea that this is only going to get worse, especially as we expand open banking, um, open banking for those people who may not know is when a bank opens their doors to a third party uh, that enables access to customer data. It's, you know, some sort of maybe an add on app that accesses your bank account or something like that. Talk to us a little bit about that threat. Yeah, I, I think the, the, the one uh, concept I'd love to to share as well is that there there are also additional uh, banks and other solutions to make sure that you can protect who gets that access and who doesn't. Um, but the trend in general, I mean, everyone's heard the term artificial intelligence. Uh, th- there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, good utilized for AI, but there's also going to be some of those out there that will utilize that to uh, identify and attack those that aren't protected for it. So. Uh, Obviously, call your banker, make sure you've got the right protections in place. But the biggest thing is procedural. You know, make sure you're not opening up phishing scams on, on your, your emails. Make sure you've got all the right counterparties that are able to approve and send certain um, wires or, or other uh, credit payments to their, to their vendors. Uh, the biggest thing you can do is make sure that you've got your house in order for that category. Doug, great conversation. How can people get all of you and have a one-on-one if they want? 
Yeah, Steve, thanks for uh, always having me on here. Uh, you can reach out to me via LinkedIn, or you can send a quick email to doug.mcclure.com. All right, Doug, we'll talk to you next time. All right, thank you, Steve.